Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we are joined by our lovely guest, Tioni. How are you doing today? Tioni? I'm good. Tioni? How are you guys? Tioni? Did you Tioni. mess it up? Tioni. You messed Tioni. it up. Damn it. Wow. I messed look it up. At, we just talked about I, this. I was, Amazing. As soon as I said it, Amazing. I, I, I thought of the actress Tia Leone, and my brain got all mixed up. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. How are you doing? It's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, where are you from, Tiani? I am from San Diego, California. All right. Nice. How's the weather? Probably perfect. Probably perfect. Um, today it's cold. We're expecting rain tomorrow. What so is cold? What is, yeah, what is cold? Oh, okay. Yeah, cold. It was 71. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in like the 40s here. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a chance of snow tonight here. Is there? Uh, like oh, flurries. Wow. Oh. No, they don't see snow in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when were you first? No, we don't. No. When were you first introduced to uh, recovery? Uh, I was first introduced to it back in June of 2018. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's when I started AA. Um, I was first introduced when I got sick and I was in the hospital and they had a social worker come in and talk to me about sober house living and um, being placed in like a a rehab facility instead of going home. Mm. So that was 2014. All right. And how long have you been sober? I've been sober, let's see, a little over a year. Um, uh, My sobriety date is June 9th, 2018. Nice. Congratulations. And uh, with Thank all, you. Yeah. With all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Okay. Um, I guess it's just, I always drank, you know, when I, in my early 20s, um, just partying. And it kind of escalated when I got fired from a job back in, let's see, I think it was 2010. So I was unemployed for almost a year and a half. And I was bored, and uh, I was married, and my husband was very sweet, and he told me that I didn't have to get a job right away, so I was like, sweet, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> so I totally took advantage of that, but it, you know, waking up, I was like, um, don't have anything to do, I kind of want to get a good buzz going, and you know, I, I don't have any responsibility, I didn't have any, we don't have any children, so mm-hmm. um, went ahead and just started Drinking, which to me seemed innocent enough, and mm-hmm. until my husband started coming home and he started seeing me just like passed out, or um, my moods were starting to change more. Um, he would tell me when he would come home, he didn't know what person he was going to get a sad person, a happy person, a depressed person. Um, I always tried to be that happy person, but then if I blacked out, I wouldn't remember what I did. And so um, I finally got a job in 2012, and um, which I'm still at right now. And in 2014, I got really sick. I just started feeling like a bunch of like really bad pain in my lower back and in my middle of my chest area. And um, I, either, I don't go to the doctor or the hospital for anything. And mm-hmm. I told my husband, I said, no, I said, something's wrong. Um, I think we need to go to the hospital. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. He didn't know that I had taken, like, my normal routine, even when I got home from work, was taking at least maybe 10 shots, even before I walked my dog, just because I needed that 
um, the extra um, even if I was tired from work. And so um, he didn't know what my blood alcohol content was until he went to the hospital. And when they said, okay, well, we're going to take your blood, I was like, crap, he's going to like, <laughs> he's going to see what the BAC is. And so um, they did that, and they were like, how much do you drink today? Like, where were you? And I was like, I was at home. And they're like, wow. They're like, okay, well, we're going to have to admit you because we, um, we have pancreatitis along with um, your liver is shutting down. Whoa. And so I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So I got admitted, and right away I was there for, um, I was on NPO, which means I can't eat or drink anything. I was strictly IV for six days. Ugh. And um, on the seventh day, they tried to give me Jello, and I couldn't even digest that. Like it was like razors going down. Like oh. it was, it was crazy. Yeah, and it was Jello, so I've never experienced that. I was like, "Whoa, time out! Oh, I can't finish this." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "It feels like razors going down." And they're like, "Okay, well, you know, let's take it easy." And so I, I had to go on a strict diet on um, before I came home, so they could tell me. You know, um, I couldn't have, like, sour cream, any of the heavy stuff cause, so it could process correctly. And um, I had to go and see a gastroenterologist for six months. Hmm. And um, they were telling me, you know, you needed, maybe you should think about AA. I had social workers coming, coming to talk to me. Hmm. And um, I was like, no, I can stop drinking on my own. I'm like, I don't need to do any of that. I'm totally fine. And it worked for a while. It worked for those six months when I had to go get checked. And um, as soon as those six months passed, the doctor was like, okay, well, you know what? Your pancreas healed fine. So did your liver. I was like, wow, my God, that's awesome. I'm like, well, can I have like a couple of drinks here and there? He didn't know like I had a drinking problem. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, of course. Yeah, you can like have a, have a couple of drinks. So for me, that was a green light mm. to go ahead and <laughs> do what I was doing before. And so, um, but then I started hiding it and I started sneaking it. Um, so my husband went and see, and I, I, after those six months, I said, Oh, maybe I can have like maybe a margarita or cocktail here. He's like, I don't know. He's like, this kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. What if you go back into that, that old pattern? And, um, I was like, Nope. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. And he was right because I get ready in the, in the bathroom, you know, curl my hair, get ready. And I would have little bottles from, um, of like Patron or little bottles of vodka or tequila hidden under in the way back where our cupboard is, where my hair products were, so he couldn't see it. So when I was taking a shower, I was like literally like getting a good buzz before we went to dinner, before we went to family functions. And You're I got taking away shower with drinks? About... Yes. <laughs> I've done shower, that. Shower drinks shower are socks. apparently like a big thing. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David looks very proud of yes. himself, by the way. You can't see him, but no, he looks, I'm he actually, looks very I'm, proud that he, he knows about like this. I'm actually reminiscing and was and part like, of this. I was like, you're a shower drinker, too? I'm like, I did that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray, dear election. No. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> so, yeah, I was doing that, and uh, I, I was pretty functionable because my tolerance was super high, even after um, not drinking those six months. And uh, I got away with it for four years, and, like, after those four years, um, my pattern, it seemed like I was making up for lost time, too, because I drank, like, twice as much. And... Um, I started feeling those pains again. Like it was a specific day. It was like June, June eighth, 
And I was like, oh no, I might get that sharp pain again. And I automatically knew like I had to go to the hospital because I couldn't take care of it on my own. Hmm. And my husband was like, oh no, he's like, what is? We already knew, but he was trying to be a nice guy. And I'm like, I think it's my pancreas. And he's like, you've just been overdoing it again, haven't you? And I'm like, yeah. So we went and sure enough, it was pancreas. I had pancreatitis again along with my liver. It was super swollen and, um, I was hospitalized again, couldn't eat or drink anything, and um, there was a male social worker, and he was pretty stern. He was like, you know, if, if you don't stop drinking, he's like, your body's going to give up on you, and you're going to die early. Getting all this isn't a joke. He's like, I've seen your chart. I've seen you've been here before. He's like, um, why are you still drinking? And I really didn't have an answer. I like, was a good answer. I said, well, I like to drink after work. Cause like I'm stressed. He's like, so he's like, you don't think other people are stressed? Like, he was really like stern out. Like, wow. Cause my first time in the hospital, everybody was super nice. So I was, I was given like, like a soft cushion. So mm. I wasn't really scared to go back. Mm. And so, um, I think that's what it was. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll just go to the hospital and I'll get fixed again. Like, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind. And so this guy was like, no, I, I don't know if he's probably had a, maybe a personal experience. Maybe, kids of his own or family members, but he was like, I think you need to go to a sober, sober living. He's like, I don't think you can go back home. He's like, you, if you could be sober, he's like, you wouldn't be here again. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And, um, I called my husband. I'm like, I think you're going like, to put me away from a sober living place. And he was like, don't worry, I'll come down there. So my husband comes down to the hospital and, you know, he was like, no, we'll, we'll make sure like we keep an eye on her. I didn't get, I didn't go to the sober living. But um, my doctor, when I had to get um, a checkup the following week, she was like, I, think, I really think you should try AA. And that was super scary to me because of the whole God thing. And I didn't want to be, and I heard it was a cult. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Like, and, you're like, oh, no. Like, what am I, like, I didn't want to be in, with other people. And I didn't want to say I'm Tiani and I'm an alcoholic. Because that mm-hmm. was like, Scared, scared me to death and so I was like but I'm not an alcoholic I'm not homeless you know I'm I have a house or I have a home and you know uh, I'm okay I'm still married I'm not I have a job but you know we all come in different forms that had nothing to do with anything it was what I was doing to myself and so um I said I wasn't going to do it and I started thinking about it I'm like you know what this is like kind of eye-opening them. I can't do this on my own. And even when I did, I was, um, like, bare-knuckling it through the whole process the first time I had um, pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. And I was just miserable. I was miserable. I was I was mad. I was pissed off because even if we went to gatherings, people were drinking around me. And I thought it was unfair that I felt like a little kid in timeout. Like, you know, mm-hmm. no, 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 you can't drink. So I was like, oh, man, like, this stuff. Like, how am I going to live? Like, Every everything that I did with my friends was all about you know hanging out, house parties. Our partying got a little bit you know quieted down when they, everybody else started having kids, but we still drank. And so um, I was like, maybe I should surround myself with other people that share the same you know disease. And I came home and I told my husband, I'm like, I think I'm gonna try AA. And he's like, okay. He's like, are you sure? He's like, do you want me to go with you? And I knew I was already codependent enough on him for a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I think I'm going to do this on my own. 
let me try it out. I'm like, I really don't want to go, but I don't have anywhere else to go. Like, I'll keep drinking. And he's like, okay. And luckily, luckily enough, there is um, a place, like literally like five minutes where I live. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I started going there, and I just started seeing how um, people were interacting with each other. Everybody knew everybody, so I was like a newcomer, and um, I kept hearing, you know, people saying, do you have a sponsor? Um, are you working the steps? But I didn't, all of that was like a foreign language to me. I didn't know what they were talking about. So I was like, I don't know. How do I get a sponsor? Do I Google it? <laughs> no, I where to go. And they're like, they're like, no, they're all, you, you choose a sponsor here in the meeting and if they want to sponsor you, they will. And I was like, okay, it took me a good five and a half months. Like I was scared of being rejected if I asked someone to be my sponsor. Mm -hmm. And so I, I still had like, I was sober, but I still had my alcoholic ways of thinking. Like I still had like, you know, oh, I don't want anybody to reject me. Like what if I ask them to be my sponsor and they don't want to, what if I'm cool enough? What if I'm like, what if I'm hopeless? (laughs) You know, all these things. And so, um, a girl had mentioned, she was like, you know what? I just lost the sponsor. So if there's anybody out there that needs a sponsor, please come see me, which she kind of got shaded by that because you're not supposed to do that. But to me, that was like a huge sign. So I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to this girl like after the meeting and I need to approach her. And I did. And we met that following week and she, she was my sponsor. She worked me through the steps, through all of the, the 12 steps and everything. And pretty much since then, I kept going back. I still go back every weekend because mm-hmm. they're pretty much seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. And that's like my home group. And I started adding in other groups too, just to meet like more new people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's been pretty, pretty wild. I, I have only been sober for like a year and a half, a little over a year and a half. But to me, it feels like 10 years. It really does because all the, <laughs> all the work I've been putting in and it just seems like I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with myself, like being sober. So I'm finding out new things that I didn't know I liked to do before, other than champagne brunches on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Sunday fun day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sunday fun day, exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's like basically my story, yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, we definitely have some questions for you. Yeah. I'm going to let you okay. start okay. again, Eric. Wow. Oh. Oh look at look at look at the look at this! Wow, twice in a row. Oh man, so uh, you know I didn't hear you talk that much about kind of you know <clears throat> earlier in your life, and it it kind of almost sounded like your alcoholism really took off around the time she was a late bloomer. Yeah, that's what. Well, yeah, I'm getting to that. Okay. Prefacing, yeah, you know, you. you gotta build it, David. You know, you can't just 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 jump in. You know, you, you do. Know? I'm more to the yeah, point. You, you put I you put your toe question. in the water. You know, you check out the temperature. You know, <laughs> like in head first, think buddy. about it, and that's and that's how you break your neck, David. That's Pitter, how you break your neck. Pitter patter. So we digress. Um, so I guess this is something that you know, being in the rooms for as long as like we have been is, you know, you see people Mm -hmm. who sometimes are, yeah, late bloomers. And, you know, 
one thing I've always been curious about is, you know, I've been in and out of fellowships since I was like 20 and I've been doing like treatment stuff since I was like 18. Um, so, you know, how would you, you know, would you consider yourself a late bloomer kind of with your alcoholism? And then also does that, if so, does that kind of, I don't know, affect the way that you go about your recovery um, because of that? Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a late bloomer. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Okay. Oh. My dad, uh, it, yeah. So there was always alcohol around. And I mean, I, I started drinking when I was 18. Mm-hmm. So I would still have those moments. I mean, I just mentioned how, like, that's how it escalated to, like, my uh, pancreas and my liver. But, I, 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 yeah, I, I started drinking when I was 18, but um, and it was always hard liquor, too. I really stayed away from the beer because, I, I mean, I wanted to get there. I didn't want, and I, I remember even friends around me saying, like, you're drinking like you're trying to get drunk. And I'm like, I am. Like, yeah, <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Were you a blackout but, artist? Um, yeah. I was, I was, definitely was, the, um, checking the cell phone, if I still had my cell phone, um, to see who I called, who I texted, um, trying to find out what I said. Um, so, yeah, so okay, then let me rephrase this question then. Um, sure. So I guess, you know, especially the way you just described it and like, you know, how you drank to get drunk, which, you know, I, I can relate to and how, like, kind of the idea of the blackout. Um, but it's mm-hmm. it sounded like it kind of, when you started drinking later on with, like, um, taking the shots, now, that was mm-hmm. more of a maintenance thing, right? Like, you were beyond the blackout at that point. That was like, mm-hmm. I need to take these shots just to make sure, you know, for lack of a better, like, to stop the shakes, right? To be, be okay. When, yes. when, do you, yes. when do you think that, cha- I mean, you kind of described it, but like describe that change from that way of thinking of where it's like, all right, I'm like a weekend warrior. Yeah. I'm going to go out. I'm going to drink. I'm going to black out. I'm going to have fun. Might not remember it, but it was a good time to the point where it's like, you know what? I got home from work and like, I'm starting to shake and I need to like drink or else I'm going to go crazy. Like how did, how, what was that progression of change? I would say uh, maybe the transitioning of it would be if I, it started, I would say if I had a bad day mm-hmm. and I would say, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to have a couple of shots so I can relieve, relieve the stress or relieve this anger or relieve um, whatever was going on in my life. Like maybe something bad happened that wasn't work related. Maybe it was family. And, um, I just, I turned to it more as a friend than anything. You turn to it more when, I didn't want to talk to anybody or burden anybody with my problems. And so I would want to pass out from whatever I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I would always turn to alcohol for that reason. Does that answer your question? Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. Uh, I have a question. Um, Okay. So what's... Describe, like, what happens internally or just, like, what basically the difference is in uh, 
a self-admission of our problems versus people telling us that we have a problem? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I really think self-admission is when you're, when you're at your rock bottom and you're just scared and you don't have anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're told to do something, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but for myself, this alcoholic, I don't like to be controlled. I don't like to be told what to do and... I want to do it my way. And I always had that in the back of my mind. Like, who are you to tell me that I can't drink anymore? It's my body. I can do whatever I want. And so it wasn't until that I got sick again that I was like, wow, this isn't a joke. This is reoccurring. So Mm -hmm. I have to do something about it. Hmm. But that's how I came up with that. I mean, I, yeah. All right. Perfect. So I kind of wanted. Do you remember the show Scared Straight? Yes. yes Dude, I thought I the same yeah. thing. Okay. So uh, with your illness the second time and that and that doctor kind of being like, you know, like kind of all aggressive and like, you know, Dude, like the work, work the steps or die, motherfucker, sort of like ideology, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. uh, yes. you know, yes. so do, do you believe that, Not, I mean, not only your illness, like, but... I mean, mainly your illness, right? But do you believe that your illness kind of scared you straight almost? Yes, 100%. And what, I do. And, like, what would, have, what would have happened if you kept drinking? Probably, I mean, I don't know. Maybe my, my body would have just failed on me and I wouldn't have known it. And you hear people having accidental alcoholic poisoning all the time. Hmm. I mean, that could have easily been me. And I always say, thank goodness I have a sobriety date because that could have been my tombstone date because I was drinking like crazy. So, hmm. yeah, I don't know what would have happened. Hmm. I like that one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, since, <clears throat> excuse me, since coming into recovery and like doing step work and, and everything, have you identified any... Um, sort of red flag behaviors from your like upbringing or even while you were in uh, active like uh, addiction um, have you mm-hmm. what like addictive tendencies did you reckon do you see and recognize now that you had um, maybe even before you picked up a drink like as far as my behavior pattern. Yeah. So like shopping I would, or, you know, yeah, like codependency, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Shopping was one of them or, um, you mean like what I would do once I started drinking, like what I would get into well, that I, I got done. Like, uh, like before I like, um, picked up drugs or like a, a lot of people they like they it, they had like attention seeking behavior so they were always seeking ways to like get outside of themselves um so well, and even after we put the drugs down, and even after alcohol, we put yeah, yeah like uh, after i and after i got clean like i picked up uh energy drinks like it was nobody's business um so if you have okay you, yeah have you recognized any ways to that you've tried to like 
maybe substitute for uh, something you've you've lost? Energy drinks was one of them, mm-hmm. and I got pancreatitis again after I was sober, Ooh. and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I haven't drank one drop. Like, what is going on?" I remember I got when I got sober in June, I got sick at the end of November, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was freaking out, and I I went to the hospital again, and they said it was the energy drinks. They mm-hmm. said that I can't digest them anymore. They're like, you're, it's really bad for you. If you keep drinking them, you're going you're gonna to end up back here. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, well, what else am I going to reach out for? So then I started going for coffee, you know, like before my AA meetings, because I go to the early ones, so it was like 7 a.m. But I was a, mm-hmm. the reason why I went to the 7, 7 a.m. meetings is because I was a morning drinker, early morning drinker. So mm-hmm. even if I got up to use the restroom, I would have to have a couple of shots before I went back to bed. Mm. And so that's what helps me take my mind when I first got sober take my mind off of it because I get up at 4.30 automatically Yeah, and I'll be like what am I going to do with my day but since my AA meeting my home group starts at 7am that gives me time to get up nicely take a shower get my hair done do all that stuff but yeah coffee's one of them um, I started exercising but I'm, that's still not something that I go to I don't like doing it but I do it anyways mm-hmm. but I would say definitely Definitely coffee, shopping, yes. Shopping, definitely, I say, oh, well, maybe this new top will make me feel better. Yeah. Or maybe these new pair of shoes, this, you know, I'm, I need to still fill that void. So what can I grab or yep. what can I seek? Because, you know, I don't have anything anymore to fill it. So what am I missing? So, yes, definitely. All right. Perfect. So you mentioned kind of when you were talking about the steps uh, or kind of coming to or, you know, starting AA, that you had an issue with God. Um, So I have a very complex ideology when it comes to the whole like higher power sort of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yours has evolved though too. Mine's evolved. It's always changing. I I don't like staying in one place, Um, but good for you. What? That's changing. Hey, you're, it, that's just constant open-mindedness. Well, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I still, I still am firmly on that one, like quote from Doctor Manhattan from the, the Watchmen. Yes, I know you are. Uh, that is my firm belief. Like whether that concept changes in other ways, my firm belief is on mm-hmm. that quote from Doctor Manhattan in the Watchmen. But how has your, how have you, have you gotten past the God stuff? And how has your spirituality, I guess, evolved since starting your journey? Ooh, good question. I do like this question. Um, it's definitely evolved a lot. I I grew up in a Catholic home, and basically, you know, that's what I was told. You, you believe in God, and, you know, this is the story. Um, don't you do don't do bad things, or you're going to go to hell. That's what I was told growing up. So I was like, okay. But I didn't understand, you know, I would pray, but I didn't understand who I was praying to. I would go to church and I wouldn't understand these stories. Like that was a long time ago from a time I don't know of and words that I don't even know of. And so I couldn't really grasp the whole religion thing, you know, um, a structured place where people go to where sometimes I would see these people doing the things that we were taught not to do in those churches. So I would think, wow, 
you know, how come you're so good? And, you know, they didn't know I saw what they did, but, you know, if we were in cool, like, in the Sunday church, but then, say, come Tuesday, I see them doing something else. I'm like, whoa, like, that's not the person I know on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well... <laughs> so then once I started reading the big book, and that's what really connected with me when it said, you know, God, as you understood him, your higher power doesn't have to be, you know, this, you know, you have to be this religion. And so I really gravitated to that. And, um, now I, you know, I'm more like into like the universe and more into, I definitely know there's a higher power greater than myself. 100%. Now, is he, you know, in a cloth robe? Is he a person? No, not to me. He's more of a consciousness. Mm. He's more, he or she, or a feeling, an energy that if I know I'm not supposed to be doing something, I feel I'm not supposed to be doing something. I don't feel I have a pair of eyes saying, no, 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 don't do that. It's a feeling like I know I should not be doing this. Yes. And so that's what helps guide me now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I gravitate to mostly. Love that. And, um, yeah, I can relate a lot to that. Like, I I think me personally, I think most people just sort of have, um, that intrinsic morality of knowing, because we know when we're not doing something right. Like when you're stealing something, like, like, even if you're the most hardened criminal, like, you know, there's, there's at least one alarm bell that's like, I shouldn't do this. So you're saying that there's innate ethics and morals that I, uh, yes. are governed by a universal <laughs> consciousness. Um, yes. Ooh. I think there's, there's a, a good and a bad feeling uh, that we just will naturally get. And, and that's really like so much of that could be based off perception. Oh yeah. I mean, it's I mean, totally like my your pressure. perception of what's good and my perception of what's good could be different. So Ooh, I, yes, T yes, morality is 100% subjective and I understand that. Oh yeah, I'm just but, you know, the way you were phrasing it, you were kind of saying no, that there's no, no, a no, good no, no, no. and a there, bad and well, there is, but it it is the, the uh, like there's a lot of gray areas, but I, I think ultimately we all have those feelings like even from like when we're a kid before we even know what morality is, like we break a lamp, right. we know we messed up. Like, we know we right. did something wrong. You're stealing, you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, you know you're in trouble. I'm trying to think, what's that What's that yeah. movie with Macaulay Culkin? Uh, the bad son. The, 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 the good son. The good son, yeah. The good son with yeah. Elijah Wood. Oh, For some yeah, reason, that's, a good oh, one. that's a what good I movie. thought of when you were talking about, like, the little kid. I just saw Macaulay Culkin, like, and I was like, oh, man. In that movie. In that movie. Not the other movie. That kid is so creepy in yeah. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm surprised Eric hasn't asked this question because I, I think this is more up his avenue. Um, but I'm going mm-hmm. to take it. So um, you've had some health problems in uh, recovery, obviously. So uh, what mm-hmm. changes and struggles have you had um, in recovery that are related to your, your physical health and, and wellness and what have you implemented um, to really r- recover your health so not not so much the addiction side but recovering like your your pancreatic health and, and your your liver health and and just the overall well-being of your life what have you had to implement in that form of recovery for your life 
Um, oh, definitely more exercise. I didn't have the energy before to exercise when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And so um, they definitely told me that I had to keep my body uh, moving at least 30 minutes a day, which I do before I go to work. But I had to add in an extra workout because they said, it was funny, when I got, I got my yearly checkup, uh, my doctor told me, you know, you should be working out 30 days, or 30 minutes after, you, you know, you come home from work. I'm like, I have been. And she's like, but you're barely losing any weight. I'm like, yeah, I don't understand. She's like, you know, it's 80% what you eat, 20% what you work out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I get that part. And so I had to add in an extra workout because um, that's what helps my, um, like, even my pancreas, too. I had to, oh, I got a recommendation to eat. I shouldn't say eat, but drink a half cup of lime juice, and that's supposed to help your liver. And you know what? It worked. That's what, like, got repaired my liver. And I don't know if it's... Lime juice? Lime juice, yes. And I actually bought a little lime squeezer and everything, and I drank that for those six months when I was getting um, my liver back into shape, and I had to go see my gastroenterologist. And I don't know if it was because... My mindset was like, this is going to help my liver or if it really helped it. You know what I mean? So I did that too as well. Um, some of the other struggles in my recovery, I would say is um, choosing who I, who I hang out with now. Not so much the peer pressure, but just not wanting to... I could tell when people feel bad or I don't want to be like a pity story or... Sometimes I would think, oh, I could keep these old friends, mm-hmm. but I could feel myself saying I've, I'm, I'm kind of outgrowing that, which is a, a little sad, but um, I don't know how to explain that. But does that answer you guys' question? I guess you guys are mostly talking more about my health, though, right? I mean, yeah. That's, that's kind of like health, like mental health. like. Yeah, for this question. Yeah, for sure. So... I guess, and you kind of touched on it here, but uh, we can kind of dive deeper. But since entering mm-hmm. recovery, uh, besides AA, what else, you know, and you, you touched on it with exercise, um, but what else have you done for yourself that you would consider part of your recovery? You know, besides the exercise, maybe like yoga or eating well or you know, um, reading certain books, like what, what have you done outside Mm -hmm. of AA for your recovery? I started volunteering for H and I programs, um, at our rehab facility. And basically it's just bringing meetings into institutions that people can get out of such as jails and rehabs. And I volunteer my time there. I've been almost, I started last. Yeah. I started last summer and I love it. I, you know, and if they say, whatever, you're giving back, you know, I got to give back so I can stay sober. And that really helps me. It reminds me, I do that once a week, actually twice a week. Um, and it's on Thursdays and Sundays. And it's such a reminder when I see people, you know, mm. share their story or, you know, and they are just where I was. Like, where do I go from here? And yeah, so that's been a big part of, um, my recovery. I didn't think I would like it. My sponsor recommended it to me. She she totally gets me too because she knows I don't like to be told what to do. She's like, well, I think this would be 
a good thing if you would try this out. And so I'm like, okay. And so that's when I started trying it. And I, I did it yesterday. I did it last night. So that's oh, another yeah. thing that I'm doing. H&I is yeah. great. I did H&I for a few years. Um, it was a while ago now. You got me my first H&I commitment. Oh, really? Yeah, you did. Did I do that? You did. You was did it, do that. Was it Shepard Pratt? Oh. It was. Oh, look at that. God, that was what, like seven or eight years ago? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, while. a while. Yeah, yeah, seven years. Yeah, it had to be seven years ago. Goodness gracious, time, time, dude, <laughs> time. All right, um, hmm. All right, you can only pick one. What it's is your child? F- no, she doesn't. No. What is your what is what is your favorite step? What is my favorite step? Oh, my favorite step. Oh, wow. Um, okay, and I can only pick one? Only pick one. Mm-hmm. So, the best I way to would... think about it... No, don't, don't coerce. The best way to think don't. about this is no. imagine you're on a bus. <laughs> no, And it's about to go horrible. over the side of a this mountain. Is... You're horrible. And you're at the back of the bus, and you open I that emergency you. hatch, and you can only save one child. <laughs> Pick that child. That is. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, they're all so good. <laughs> that is so horrific. I guess it would be step one, all right. admitting that we were powerless over alcohol. Mm-hmm. Nice, because that's a domino effect right there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like that question. Like, uh, yeah. I like that question too. I love yeah. that question. It's a great question. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the way that I word it. But, you know. Dude, the way you word it is so dark. I, you know, you know, David, but I say it in such an uplifting way. No, you don't. And that's, you know. No, I, you think you do. You don't. I, <sighs> no, we're, we're going to couples counseling. I'm, uh, it's it's happening. No, I think we're okay. I don't um, think we are. See, okay. that that's the divide we have here. I want to I ask a follow-up to that. Oh, go ahead. Um, will you... Um, I mean, we, we kind of talked about, like, the difference of, like, self-admission and, like, uh, our problem and everything. But uh, describe the feeling when uh, your surrender really sank in and, like, in that first step. And um, you, you, you kind of surrendered and, and really uh, dove into a life of recovery. I would say... It would have to be when I got home from work, and that was my routine of coming home and drinking those mm-hmm. shots. I would always have to take those three shots. And I came home, and I just sat down on the couch, and I was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I do now? Like, that was, you know, I was super sad, because I, I felt like I lost my best friend, in a sense. I felt like... Mm-hmm. Who's gonna comfort me? Who's gonna Who's gonna hang out with me? You know, and mm-hmm. so I think that's where I kind of surrendered, and I was like, I don't want to be uh, a dry drunk. So I was like, I got it. That's when I started basically trying to put my mindset into a more positive mindset, which was super hard because the last thing you want to do when you give up something that you love is try to be happy about it, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that's when I was like, you know what, I, that's why I need to keep going back to these AA meetings and I need to start trying to figure out why I want to drink and why this is so comforting to me. Like, you know, get down to the root of why I need this, this liquid 
in my body to think I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started, you know, getting more into like working the steps and all that good stuff. All right. Perfect. So I, uh, since you mentioned step one, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about reservation. Coronavirus. No. Oh, no. 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 Oh, not that. I thought that's where we were going. I hope, okay. by, no, the, I hope by the time this episode comes out, that's still relevant reference. I mean, we did talk about, did we talk about snow? Yeah, earlier? we talked about snow. Okay. This will be like in June. So. Yeah, it'll be a while. Um, but I doubt people are going to forget about coronavirus by well, June. I'm sh- but it might not be as relevant, you know what I, I mean? I know, right? Like, it might not be like... Dude, you can still make bird flu comments. You can still make a, a swine flu uh, joke I and mean, people are going to laugh. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know. Swine uh, flu is a thing. I can see, David, you're the type of person who would, like, come in with, like, a polio jab and, like, be Dude, like, oh, where polio, are you guys? Like, polio oh, man. Is, is funny. It has been long enough Jeez. that we can laugh about polio. Okay? All right. All right. So, we, you know, let's, let's get back on track here. Uh, so, since step one is your favorite step, how have you yeah. managed your triggers and reservations since coming to recovery? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I used to avoid my triggers because I didn't want to be face-to-face with them until I just started um, realizing I'm not going to get over those triggers until I start facing them. And there's um, certain relations with, you know, certain family members that they're still way into their addiction where I, I can't contact them or I can't talk to them. And so in a sense that they're still in my life, Yeah. but I want to avoid them as much as possible, but I know that I can't do that forever. But I guess, yeah, facing more of my triggers, which, you know, I know I'm doing it right. If it feels, like the tension is lessening when I do come in contact with those certain triggers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I could feel more, a little bit more at peace, not like a hundred percent at peace, but it's not as intense. And then I feel like, okay, this is working rather than me get super tense and super angry or super pissed off at certain people or certain things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. That's uh, I like that concept. Um, because I know a lot of people say avoid triggers, and for a certain period of time, you know, by all means, avoid them, right? Mm-hmm. But I know mm-hmm. uh, right. right now I'm working the Smart Recovery Handbook, and it mm-hmm. it even says like you know you have to face your at some point like put yourself in the situation to face it. Yeah, it's exposure therapy. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. it's not at first. At first, don't. Yeah, no. You know, don't do that. Yeah, two days clean. But don't no, be like, don't. hey, I'm going to the bar to just test right, my t- right. test out this thing out. <laughs> yeah. See how strong-willed <laughs> I am in 48 know, hours. I'm going to get a soda at the liquor store. You <laughs> yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Don't right. do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's dumb. But, like, uh, there is, there is something, like, you know, you you and I have talked about like Ravens games, right? Like, yeah, Ravens oh, yeah. games made me really uncomfortable for a very long time mm-hmm. because I relate Ravens games to getting wasted. Yeah, and like mm. it definitely it it kind of took me a while to switch my brain to think like, okay, this doesn't mean getting wasted; it means watching a Ravens game. 
You know, like because getting wasted was part of the Ravens game. Oh yeah. Um, concerts but, still yeah. throw me too. Like I am, it's still hard mm-hmm. for me to s- separate a concert. I can I can do it, mm-hmm. but I still relate. Like I'm at a concert. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> and like yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> my bachelor party was at ACL. You know, Austin City Limits. Oh okay. So I mean, that's an that's mm-hmm. a festival. Yeah. You know, but I I was I went sober and I was fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that I can't do it. It's just sometimes I you have to retrain your brain, right? Yeah, and interestingly, yeah. interestingly yeah. enough, as it like pertains to uh, football games, the Ravens game, um, it it was difficult for a while, but then it, it turned around. It became a one eighty, and now it became a point of uh, it really like a shot of hope because I, I see all these like wasted people uh around me who are just so obliterated they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like they're they're just so out of touch with reality that they don't even know what's happening right. on the field. Like they're they're punching each other and falling downstairs and like and and it made me think about my behavior. Like there were these pretty epic games back in the past where I was just so drunk that I'm like, shit, I know I was here, but I don't remember that. And now I can remember mm. those things. I can yeah. be I can be present for those really cool epic games or epic moments. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that five years ago when this happened. And I was like, yeah, and like why? Because I was clean. Why? Because I was sober and yeah. I was present in the moment and uh, had the wherewithal to remember it. So it's a, it, it's it's a cool shot of hope because it's the same thing with concerts as well as well. I can now remember the the concerts I go mm-hmm. I, I go see and really get um, so much more such a level of enjoyment and like especially with with concerts um, the adrenaline rush you get from f- oh, from, yeah. from live music. <laughs> Like without yeah. drugs and alcohol, <laughs> it's so much more amazing. Right. So it's even elevated mm-hmm. the experience of music since getting clean. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, for me too. That's yeah, definitely. All right, David. I saw Gwen Stefani. I saw Ooh. Gwen Stefani in Vegas last year. That was super rad. Hell yeah! And I was sober, so of course, yeah. And I, I, I was a little nervous, but my husband and my sister went with me, and. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm doing that. So I, I get what you mean when you, you know, you get super stoked and super proud of yourself because you're like, I'm doing this. I mean, we only stayed the night just to see her, but it was it was so worth it. That would be a cool <laughs> show. Hell yeah, I would go see Gwen Stefani. What does that show eat? Like, does yeah. she play like this shit is bananas or does she go back to like No Doubt stuff? Yeah, does she play like No Doubt like music as well? She she did, yes. yes. She played um, Sunday Morning, I'm Just a Girl. Yes! Yes! Yeah. Oh, my cool. God. That, oh, that's pretty cool. That'd be a cool show. No Doubt yeah. was great. No Doubt. Yeah. And her, I know. her singles are very catchy. Her Gwen Stefani stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Super she's, catchy. She's fantastic. Yeah. Love Gwen Stefani. Quick, quick thing. Like, Alanis Morissette is coming, and it, her tickets were so expensive that I couldn't get it, and I have 100% FOMO. Okay. I'm missing Alanis. Oh, whoa. Yeah, love Alanis Morissette. I couldn't afford tickets. 
Way too expensive. Wow. I'm sad. I, I wouldn't think she'd be that expensive. Oh, that's super sad. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you like, all the, like, the 40-something moms nowadays who, re- like, want to relive <laughs> their 20s? Oh, yeah, they're going to see Alanis Morissette. And, that's that's and, David. Right. And, and David. Hey. And David. Hey. hey. Don't forget. My sister is in that range, and that's why I love Alanis Morissette, because I have an older sister who... Well, Jagged Little Pill was a great album. Oh, it's like, an amazing album. So, it's I mean, a seminal album of the 90s. Fantastic. But, you know. Her drummer was is actually now the drummer for the Foo Fighters. Oh, really? Yeah. You learned something today. Okay. I, think, I think we all did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. We've digressed. <laughs> and and now is it is it time, Eric? It's it's time. Time for the Twitter to the Twitter. I I just don't. You don't, I don't like it. I, I don't do care if you don't not like, it. like what you just added. Uh, that that before could, that could be. before it was fine. I I wasn't a huge fan. The trumpets. The trumpets. Yeah, not not loving it. It happened. You do you do a few things I don't love on this podcast, but That's you fine. know we'll see. Really? Um, what? Like what? We're, we're telling you, we're going to therapy. Any letter Kenny references? Oh, you know, you know that's gonna uh, keep happening. <laughs> I know you don't like that. Um, <laughs> mainly Letter Kenny. Uh, so even though I love Letter Kenny, I just don't like the references. Um, so this is from Gigi Langer, who we've had on the podcast. Oh, Gigi, and um. This is, you know, so the way we do this uh, is, you know, it's a round robin, so everyone gets a chance to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a topic. So, steps six and seven. Mm. And that's the topic. So, you know, how you worked it, how you feel about it, and uh, go ahead. Okay, so that was a question. I, I could, my phone was cutting out. I couldn't oh, hear that last so, part, uh it's it's actually more of a topic, so it's it's on step six okay. and seven. So I guess like you know how you worked oh, it. Step six and seven. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, well, ready to ready to remove all my shortcomings. I mean, I I still I still have um, some of the or character defects, I should say, defects of character. Um, I kind of like to hold on to them, I feel, sometimes. Because, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like they're a part of me, but I know they're not a good part of me. So I feel like, well, this is who I am. So what if, what else am I going to lose? Mm. So that's, uh, I'm still working on that. Um, and what's that one? Uh, we humbly asked it? him to remove our shortcomings. to remove our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've asked him to remove my shortcomings from a higher power, um, when I did them, but, I mean, I still find myself still gossiping, which is, you know, I know that's not good, but... We're humans. Is it okay if I didn't, is it okay if I didn't start the gossip and I'm just... (laughs) If you're just listening to the gossip, like, you're not the person... (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. (laughs) I try to reason with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to hear the gossip. I want to hear what's going on. So, hey, do you want to hear something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you got? You know, what's going on? So, I mean... In that aspect, I mean, I try to get better at it. I try not to entertain mm-hmm. that behavior as much. But, um, I mean, 
me and my sister are like besties. So, I mean, if she's got something that she knows I want to hear, I mean, I'm probably going to take her up on it. Yeah. (laughs) That's like watching the news. You didn't create the bad news. You're just watching it. It's not your fault. That's not your fault. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's, I think that's basically the one on on my top list is um, gossip. I try to not gossip as much as I used to because I mean when I was drinking I wouldn't care who I told oh, yeah. who story to or who you know I, or I wouldn't even remember oh, yeah. until I would get a text like thanks a lot you know you, you told them something and I'm like oh shit like yep. I did and you know that comes up but yeah that's basically um, I'm trying to work through 167 hmm. alright um hmm I I've never liked how they use two different wordings. Like they say character defects and then shortcomings because like, I'm like, why, why would you, why would you like they're the, the steps are ultimately connected. Those two, I mean, all of them, but like those Mm -hmm. two are a couple of the pairs. It's like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine are all paired up together. And so I never understood that, but until I worked them, um, and just like I talked about with sort of like the intrinsic morality, um, we went through it, or my sponsor and I went through it, and I, I really came to a sense of internally I have these spiritual principles and I have these character defects, and it's it, and I really visualize it very much in my mind. I, I have these two shelves, and both of them are present. Um, and I'm just standing in front of them and at any given situation, any given time, any given interaction with a person, I can take one or the other off the shelf, whichever one I want. And, mm. and, and I think all of us have that. And that's what I was saying about like that intrinsic morality is those two shelves are there. When you're talking to somebody on the wall, like you look over to the right and you're like, Oh, tell the truth. And then on the other shelf, it's like, Oh no, lie your fucking ass off. And you have the option to right. do either one at any time, and those are those character defects. It's and it's uh, like it's those that that juxtaposition of of uh, spiritual principles and character defects because you have honesty and compassion and open mindedness and uh, mm-hmm. like um, understanding all the all these good virtues of who we can be. And then we have these old ways of behavior, which is, um, dishonesty, closed mindedness, um, uh, selfishness, greed. And, and we have the ability to choose one or the other, but ultimately like after four and five, and you make that inventory of like who I was and what I want to be ultimately, my my sponsor was the first person in my life to really look in into my eyes and ask me as as a person he was like what of those behaviors is no longer acceptable to you and i was like wow oh, yeah. and he was like mm-hmm. those are the those are the things that y- your your god has given you the ability to choose now which which way you want to go and it's up to you to really remove those shortcomings from your life and like and the shortcomings with like the character defects are just intrinsic and the shortcomings are removing the times that you choose to pick them up 
So that's how that's how we differentiated mm-hmm. from the two. Um, oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that. yeah, it was really in depth, and, and uh, he helped me out a lot. So if you're listening, thank you, Herb. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. What, what what do you got, Eric? Uh, so I've worked six and seven twice, uh, each. That's so. Um, so I've worked it twice. Well, I'm so, I'm, so David. Uh, I've worked it as much I, I as suppose, both of you. I suppose that uh, you know, considering, I, uh, we we won't get into that part. Um, Let's just can I? Can I hold okay. on. Yeah. All right. All right. No, I'm just gonna look at that. Kitty. That tail. What? Oh, get out! Get out of there! Sorry. My cat was in one of my cat is running like, amok. Yeah, she's in one of my gear like shelves. It's like get out of the gear shelf. Um, so. <laughs> The first time I ever worked step six, I was actually in a relationship with someone else in recovery who was also working step six at the same time as me. And we both had maybe a a year clean. Oh, God. And it was like, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, right? No. Um, Because you see all your character defects in her and she sees them all in you. It wasn't good. No. It was not good. Um, So I don't know how that lined up. Where I was like, we're both, you know, we have some, you know, a year or so clean, and we both are on step six. And uh, that one was kind of rough, that first go. Um, and, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's always kind of funny, with, especially with the first round of step six, was how many defects I wrote down. Because it's kind of ridiculous. You I mean, probably really, wrote down like 89 Yeah, defects. you write down this ridiculous <laughs> list. And, you know, I've seen people whip them out in meetings before. And it's like, it like I mean, they almost like wrote a book report. And it's just like, it's like, yeah, come Did on, you just man. Google like, what a character you know, defect was yeah. and write them all down? Um, which is, I want, that's important because the second way I worked it was totally different. So, um, with step <sighs> seven, um... So, step seven, the first time, it was just kind of a, you know, a thing. Uh, it wasn't really, it was just going, through the, going through the motions. It wasn't really oh. like, because I don't buy into the idea that you lose your character defects. Yes. So, I had to do some changing to the actual, like, wording of this, the step, almost, because I don't believe that they're going to be removed. What I, what I believe is that they can be lessened. Um, but they are part of who we are and we can't change. We can change how we are. We can change who we are, but we can't remove like a part of us. It's, mm. it's going to be a part of us mm-hmm. forever. We can choose not to act on yeah. it, but it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I, right. if, if I were to relapse, like I'm not going to forget how to, you know, drink or use drugs. It's going to come back real quick. So if I want to be an asshole, mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget how to be an asshole. It'll come back. Yep. So that's kind of the first way I worked the step. The second way um, is that my sponsor, we, we didn't go, th- uh, you know, through the, the NA way, right? We did more of like um, an AA style. But the way that we did it is instead of doing like the giant list of character defects, we did the seven deadly sins. Ooh, I like that. I figured you'd like that. Yeah. I figured, I figured, uh, that's good. Yeah. So, 
you you analyze each each of the seven deadly sins and then relate them to different aspects of your life in which you can improve upon. Can, can we name them right now? It's, I can never get all of them. Gluttony, so, sloth, lust, uh, greed, greed, vanity, vanity, van, vanity, wrath, and six out of seven. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's, that's a, pretty good. Yeah. We'll give us a, well, that's an A minus. So, I mean, gluttony. Did we say, did we say greed or no? Yeah, we said greed. Damn it. So, oh, okay. So, I'm Googling like, it. Uh, so, part of it is like if you think of gluttony, you think of, you don't just think of food, right? You think of anything in excess. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of going back to the whole concept of, um, you know, filling the void, right? So you can look at right. acting out and like in the way that, you know, you were mentioning shopping earlier or for myself, like with work mm-hmm. or um, mainly with work right now, uh, like, you know, what am I doing to excess that uh, is, you know, as much as it feels good, it's really causing me more damage. Um, so right. that, that's the way that I did six. And actually the way I did seven was... Uh, was kind of interesting is my sponsor asked me to change all of the envy envy okay damn it uh envy that's a good one nice um so my sponsor he would always ask us to change steps and traditions um and write them in our own words so oh the way that yeah so i the one i always remember is one of my sponsee brothers um he, what was, oh my God, what was tradition three? We let any motherfucker up in here? Yeah. Yeah. Tradition three, we let any motherfucker <laughs> up in here. That was his, uh, his, his tradition three. Um, so, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so my step seven is because, because we're asking God to humbly remove our defects, uh, our shortcomings, um, you know, my issue is that I don't believe that if there is, you know, some sort of entity, which I do believe there is an entity, I don't believe they have a de- direct uh, causation with what with what goes on in our lives. I, I don't believe they. They're not puppet uh, masters. They don't really care. Yeah, they have better things to do. Um, so, and truthfully, they have much better things to do than pay attention to me. I'm not that important. Um, but essentially, the way I change step seven is to say that we are... All, so my step seven, which I'm sure if people get to this part of the podcast, they'll get upset with, is I changed it to um, we are humble, like uh, we are but only humans and we will make mistakes. Hmm. And that's my step seven. And it's been my step seven for years. So, is, so uh, it's more like a self-forgiveness sort of thing? Yeah, it's like I'm going to try my best to be the best version of myself I can be. But, you know, sometimes I'm going to fuck up and like, that's okay. But, you know, again, I'm only human and I will make mistakes. It's really, what can I do after I make that mistake? Am Mm -hmm. I going to go back into that defect or am I going to, you know, improve upon it? And that's my step seven. Perfect. And like, You'll probably go to step nine and make them in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. Are you going to go back to step six? Or are you going to move forward to eight and nine? Yeah. That's, that's basically it. Yeah. Right. And no, I like what yeah, you. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like what you said because it always brings up. I think six and seven have the uh, Doctor Strange quote, and mm-hmm. it's uh, we don't we never lose our demons. We just learn to live above them. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. they're always part yeah. of it. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest for joining us tonight. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Hey, can, you, can I hear you guys say it one more time? Did you guys get it correct? Uh, Tiani? Yeah, yes. you got it. <laughs> yes, my brain, uh, like I can oh. see, I, I could see David struggling oh. with that, and he was like, he was just like, really wanted to say Tia Leone. I did want to say Tia Leone so bad because it was now in your head. It was. I manifested it, and it couldn't go away. Oh, Tiani. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for having me on your show. Absolutely, very cool. I like hanging out with you guys. Yeah, yeah it was a pleasure. All right. Here at Podcast Recovery, we we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of, of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening uh, Listening tonight. Thanks, Tiani, for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Thank you. Instagram. Like, share, subscribe, but most importantly, stay safe, stay clean. <laughs>